I had just completed a wonderful two-plus years serving as the interim pastor at Mount Hermon Baptist Church, which is on Old Highway Number 10, North Carolina Number 10, just on the other side of Duke Forest, separating Duke from the rest of uh, what became Orange County. Um, they had just called a new pastor. I just had my last Sunday serving. Alicia and I were dating at the time, and it was the first chance to go and worship uh, in another place, in another church in the area that I'd had in, in over two years. So I was excited. We were excited about that. And so I picked Alicia up, and uh, we we drove to uh, uh, University of Baptist Church in Chapel Hill, and uh, we went came out came into the uh, church through the back and when we got there the doors were closed just like ours are right now and there were windows just like ours and I looked through the window and um, the preacher was standing right here and he was about to introduce someone who was standing right there at the front and then I saw somebody's eye in the choir and that person just started to laugh when he saw me. Uh, because he realized that we had arrived at the end of the service instead of the beginning of the service because the time had changed. So in my first Sunday not serving as a pastor, I skipped church. I confess to you today, I missed it. So if anybody shows up at the end, we'll understand. Um, If you nod off just a little bit, well... You have permission to punch your neighbor or elbow them really good. Let's look at John uh, chapter 9. We are continuing to observe and reflect upon the story of the man who was born blind, who was healed by Jesus. And now we encounter him as the Pharisees interrogate him. It's John chapter 9 verses 13 through 17. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, he is a prophet. Let us pray. Open the eyes of our hearts, O Lord. Take us, O take us as we are. For you are our Shepherd, we thank you for the beauty of the season, for the lengthening of the days, and even for the little sense of fatigue that we might feel this morning. But most of all, we thank you for the journey of Jesus to the cross, for his death on the cross for our sins, 
for the good news that on the cross and through the cross you do take us as we are and you forgive us and you cleanse us. You soften our hearts. You create in us clean hearts and you enable us to love you and our neighbors as ourselves. We are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, So last week, uh, Fifth Avenue men's basketball team, beautiful, beautiful moment. Uh, Paul David Dudley, where are you? You in the back there? Can you raise your hand for us? Ah, Okay, I'm going to embarrass you. So, Paul David has a favorite spot on the court. And it's in the corner, the left-hand corner, just outside the three-point line. And toward the end of the game last week, he spots up. He, he goes right to that spot. And one of his teammates, can't remember who, finds him with the pass. And in one fluid motion, Paul David catches the ball, shoots it, releases it, nothing but the bottom of the net. It was a beautiful sight. Next time down the court, what would you do, Paul David? Go straight, safe, straight to that same spot, you remember? And you, you were open, and your teammate hits you with the ball, and you caught it and you went straight up with the shot, and you made it two in a row. Now, you banked it. Did you mean to bank it? Did you call bank on that? Okay. All right. So two three-pointers in a row. Listen, March Madness has nothing on Fifth Avenue Baptist men's basketball. I mean, I've just just got to tell you. So Paul David makes these two three-pointers. He's excited. We're excited as a team. And so what what do you think we did as his teammates? What did we do? Cheered, clapped. Yeah, we said, way to go. All right, awesome, do it again. Keep shooting, you're on fire. You know, what is it, young people, is it the three-point sign? What is it? You, yeah, we didn't do that. But we were cheering. We were cheering because our teammate did something wonderful. And we wanted to let him know that we were with him. And we appreciated it. Now of all the people in Israel at the time, you would think that the Pharisees would want to be teammates with Jesus. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. They were the ones that were supposed to know God, know the ways of God. They were the people you went to when you wanted to learn about God. And here comes Jesus preaching and teaching with such authority, so very clearly sent from God, you would think that they would want to be on the same team, and you would think that when Jesus does something wonderful, like heal this man who was born blind and give him his sight, you would think that the Pharisees would cheer. You would think that the Pharisees would be excited, that they would have big smiles on their faces, but that is not the case. They're upset, they are offended, they're horrified because Jesus has dared to heal someone on the Sabbath day. More on that in a moment. But also put yourself in the shoes of the man who was born blind, who has been healed, and now he can see. The Pharisees do not come to him and cheer him, and celebrate with him, and say, isn't it wonderful that now you can see? They do not ask him, what is it like 
to match voices with faces for the first time? What is it like to see your hometown? What is it like to actually see the dirt that you've only felt with your feet as you've walked on the dirt all of your life? And they do not say, let us bring together all of your friends and family and have a celebration. No! There is no cheering on of Jesus. There is no connection or interest in the man who is born blind but now is able to see. They are completely focused on what they see as a rule that has been broken. And they interrogate the man in order to to find out what's going on so that they can find the rule breaker and punish him. The Pharisees have stiff necks and they have hard hearts. And it is not a pretty thing. I am guessing that the man who is born blind, who now can see, can actually see the stiff necks of the Pharisees with his eyes. And I'm guessing that with the eyes of his heart, he can see the hard hearts of the Pharisees. Now, it's easy to pick on the Pharisees, but all of us at times have hard hearts. Whenever something wonderful happens for someone else, and we cannot celebrate with them, Whenever something beautiful happens in someone else's life, and we are so preoccupied with our own that we, we can't pay it much attention, it's a good sign that our hearts are hard and they need to be softened by God's grace. Whether it's jealousy or resentment or indifference, if we can't experience at least a little bit of joy for someone when God blesses them, It's time to ask God to soften our hearts. The Pharisees are being drawn in a new direction, given an opportunity to see a new vision, but their stiff necks won't budge, won't give an inch in the new direction. How often do we do the same thing? Individually, or as a group, or as a church, or as uh, some other institution that we're a part of, we're called to move in a different direction, but but we're resisting that different direction. Our our necks won't turn in the direction that God is calling us to go. And at that point, we ask God to give us a little more flexibility, a little more openness to what it is that God is trying to do among us. It's time to ask God to loosen our necks, to make us more limber and flexible so we can turn and move in the Lord's direction. Back to the Sabbath command that the Pharisees are so worked up about. God commanded rest, no work on the Sabbath day, uh, the seventh day, which is called the Sabbath. The Pharisees took that command literally and rigidly. To them, healing is good work, but it is still work. And so you do not do that on the Sabbath. Some of the Pharisees, Pharisees think Jesus is a sinner because they think he breaks the Sabbath command. But... There's a little bit of flexibility, at least in some of the Pharisees. According to verse 16, others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. 
And then the Pharisees do this remarkable thing. They, they do not celebrate with the man who's been healed. They do not take an interest in what it's like for him to see for the first time. They pay him no mind until they can't settle their dispute. He's the reason for their dispute. His healing is why they're divided. And then they ask him to settle their division. They're arguing about him and they can't come to a solution, to a a consensus. And so they ask him, well, what do you think this man's about? Who do you think he is? And the man replies, he is a prophet. And we'll see as we go through this series that it's a wonderful progression in John chapter 9 as the man moves from even greater clarity, from clarity to more clarity about who he understands Jesus to be. But at this point in the passage, he says simply, he is a prophet. But the point for us at this point is to say, isn't it remarkable that the Pharisees choose the source of their division to try to help heal their division? And it's another sign of their hard hearts. They don't care about the man until they can get something from him. He means nothing to them until they can receive something that they need from him. They can't solve the dispute themselves, so they bring in the source of the dispute to try to heal the division. And how often is it that we pay attention to another person only when they can do something for us? How often are we calculating in our relationships with others? Thinking of a person in our relationship to them, our responses to them, our interactions with them, only in how it might bless us or we might receive something from the person. And it's a sign that our hearts are hard. Pharisees' hearts are hard toward the man who was healed, and ultimately their hearts are hard toward God. Their focus is on enforcing the rules they have established instead of embracing what God is doing in their midst. They look for the rule breaker instead of looking for the work that God is doing through Jesus. God is walking among them, speaking to them, showing them so many signs but they can't see or hear because their hearts are hard. So what's the status of your heart today? What's the status of your heart and mine? Are you open to what God wants to do in and through you? Are you listening to what, are we listening to what God might be trying to say to us Are we looking for God's presence in our lives? Are you receiving the incredible love that God has for you? Or is your heart hard? Refusing to see or listen or respond to God's presence. Refusing to love and obey and participate in God's work. As the Pharisees show us in this passage, a hard heart is a dangerous thing. Hard hearts cloud our spiritual vision so that we don't celebrate with people when good things happen for them. And we embrace people only when it furthers our purposes. Hard hearts make it hard to see God. So if we want to have better vision, better focus, we need to deal with our 
hard hearts. So I'm still waiting on a snowfall here in West Virginia. Is it going to happen? Several years ago, we were, Davis and I were going up the interstate during uh, a winter storm. And the only reason that could get us out on the road at, you know, during a storm was the, the two tickets to the Carolina game that was in our pocket. So, so we're, you know, you know where our priorities are. So, so we're driving up the interstate. Thankfully, the roads are not bad. Uh, but for whatever reason, the wind, well, because it was cold, but the, the windshield wipers were freezing. They, they kept freezing. And so um, the, the traction as it was going across, the, the blade was going across the windshield, wasn't wiping it clean. And then there was ice forming on the arms of the, the windshield wipers. And it became so heavy that it would cause the, the windshield blades to just bounce across the windshield. And so we'd have to drive, have to pull off uh, and, and stop at a gas station several times to chip away the ice. And, and, and it, was, it was amazing how hard that ice became and how much it weighed down the, the arm of the blade and how much it affected my vision as I was trying to drive. And it was a dangerous, dangerous thing. And when our our hearts become hard in these kinds of ways, as we see in the example of the Pharisees, it becomes a dangerous thing because it clouds our vision. It prevents us from being able to see others and to be able to see God. And so this morning, the Pharisees stand for us as an example to avoid as a negative example, to remind us to make sure that we are examining our hearts and asking God to soften them. And in this season of Lent, as we're focusing on the cross, we are reminded that Jesus died on the cross to soften our hard hearts. Jesus died on the cross to forgive the sins that make our hearts hard. Jesus died on the cross to give us new hearts, to make us new creations, to create in us clean hearts, and to renew a right spirit within us so that we can love God and receive God's love and share God's love. Sisters and brothers, as our Lenten journey continues, let us confess that more often than we want to be, we are stiff-necked people with hard hearts. And let us look to the cross of Christ where the heart of God was poured out for us. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Where our necks are stiff, Lord, loosen them up. Where our hearts are hard, soften them, we pray. Help us to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep, to embrace one another, not for what 
they can do for us, but because our neighbor is our fellow creature made in your image for whom Jesus died. And keep us glued to the cross, focused on the cross. May our vision be of the cross where your heart was poured out for our hard hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.